It's a question that's sure to raise heated passions, and it did yesterday in class. Hypothetical question. You're the most respected conservation organisation in the world, and a large oil company has offered you £10 million to do conservation. Uh, They just happen to have quite recently caused a large spill. But it's nothing to do with that. They're just saying, here's £10 million. The uh, CEO is sitting in front of you. Checkbook open. About to write. What do you do? Most people said, don't take the money. And... Oh, there's a deer. (laughs) I've seen loads of deer on campus this morning. Possibly six individuals. Great. Um... Most people say don't take the money. Now the main reasons people say don't take the money, one is simply it's ethical. You're there for the intrinsic value of nature. And a company that does more damage than good, you shouldn't be endorsing. The other approach, which in my little group was the dominant one, was about uh, risk to your reputation. You could destroy your reputation, you could lose your public membership and support. And for me, I combine both of those reasons as exactly why you should take the money. Let me explain. Those individuals that support you, if they see you're taking money from this big oil giant, they might turn their backs on you and say, you're, you're a fraud, don't like you anymore, don't support you anymore, how dare you? They may stop funding us as members donating they may stop supporting us publicly they may move to another environmental organization because they're greener than we are well some of them might do that some of them might say okay this is interesting we'll go along see what what you're doing some might say okay it's worth it some might say some might not notice at all and only a very few will say, oh my god, look at this, the whole, this whole conservation thing, it's a bunk. I'm not supporting green stuff anymore. Get me three SUVs right now. But I think that'll be a very small proportion. So you get abandoned. You lose the love of some people. It's clearly conditional love. But you lose it. And that hurts. But you're working with this big um, oil company. Oh, that was a rabbit, by the way, that you heard behind me. Uh, You're working with this big oil company. And they may be genuine. They may be sincere. Even if they're not, even if they're being really cynical, you still have to engage with them. They have to engage with you. And at some point, little bits about what you say will sink in. They'll just become accepted. And other big companies... Other big, let's say, bad boy companies will see what's going on. They'll say, okay, these, this is an organisation we can turn to, we can work with as well. So your funding will probably be secured. It may make up for the shortfall of those members who left, those supporters who left. And you may have an influence, and I think you will have an influence on those companies. It will be slow, of course. It may be at the level of individuals. But again, as you become the, uh, an acceptable conservation brand to those big companies, when they're hiring someone coming from your organisation, having your NGO on their CV isn't a black mark against them. 
if, if their staff want to retrain in some things, and if there's a requirement they, for CSR, they need to do some environmental stuff, then they can turn to you. And slowly, slowly, you can change that cult- corporate culture. And that's a rational way of looking at it, because on the whole, the net number of people doing conservation and caring about conservation has grown. Right? Your supporters, some of them, went away to other organisations. Very, very few of them abandoned conservation. They're still green, right? And the overall number of green people on the planet has increased. And it's not just the converted, it's converting new people. It's rational, emotionally very difficult, because you're you're abandoning your own past. Because all of us, before we became uh, <laughs> employees of this hypothetical world-leading conservation group, you know, that's the hypothetical situation we had in class, before we became that, or before we became students of conservation science, we're just like those supporters. A little bit high horsey, possibly. And it seems like we're turning our back on our own past, disavowing ourselves in some ways, and, and losing the love of strangers who we'll never meet. But that's a personal thing. And if we're in this because of the inherent value and intrinsic value of nature, then we should be doing it for nature and not for ourselves. There's lots there that I'm going to leave hanging about conservation for human or for nature. I have another all-encompassing opinion about that as well. Another note to conflict <laughs> opinion about that as well, and I'll save that for another time. Why is this suddenly shown up in your podcast feed? Uh, yeah, I thought I wasn't doing this. I wasn't. <laughs> I just wanted to talk about this. Our discussions in class are great, and I wanted to share this with one with you. I thought about interviewing some of my classmates. Um, probably don't have time this weekend to edit it all together. It's a busy course. So I'll just have this little monologue walking around the campus, hoping you've enjoyed it. my spotting deer and rabbits on the way. This is, as I haven't said, conservation sound, uh, which in this case has just been me talking. Maybe I'll be back when the mood takes me again in the next few weeks. Stay in touch if you wish. I'm on Twitter at Connor Walsh, C-O-N-N-O-R-W-A-L-S-H. Various web addresses, conservationsound.wordpress.com and um, coffeeflavoredtea.net